0: So I invite you to turn to uh, two places this morning, to Genesis 2 uh, and Hebrews chapter 4. Again, there's links in the online order of service if if you want to uh, poke those with your finger. (laughs) And uh, it'll take you there. But uh, just three verses from Genesis chapter 2 and then Hebrews uh, chapter 4, the first ten verses. And we've been following uh, the creative works of God in Genesis chapter 1. But as we come to chapter 2, we find that God rests. And uh, thus, uh, uh, we read this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And then jump over to uh, Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, the writer uh, picks up on this idea of Sabbath rest. And he says, Therefore, while the promise of entering this rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came just, uh, to us just as to them. But the message that they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we, have, uh, we who have believed enter that rest, as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And here he quotes in Genesis 2. Uh, Genesis 2-2, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, uh, they shall not enter my rest Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he points to a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his So we're going to look at the topic of rest this morning, uh, particularly the the Christian concept of rest. And it's very important that we look at everything from a Christian point of view, uh, not from a worldly point of view. Um, And I want to begin this way by uh, just bringing a bit of personal testimony uh, of of my experience of of rest and Sabbath rest. Um, So I was uh, uh, brought up in the west of Scotland. And uh, I remember the way that Sundays used to work. Uh, this is in the 1960s, a long time ago, and into the 1970s, um, when I was a was was a boy, a young lad. And um, uh, Sunday used to be a, a marked contrast to Saturday. Um, Saturday was for playing with friends, uh, for watching TV, uh, watching sport on TV, uh, watching films. Um, and, and then treats on Saturday evening, and more, watching more TV, probably. Uh, so, and, and Saturday was a great day, great fun. Uh, Sunday, on the other hand, uh, f- for me as a teenager and as a young lad, it was boring. <laughs> uh, there were no friends to play with. There was church to go to in the morning. And uh, I, I used to go up there and, uh, for Sunday school. Uh, there was no sport on Sundays that, on those days, uh, it was all on Saturdays, uh, so the TV was rubbish, uh, I didn't enjoy it, we had to visit relatives, uh, and if, if you weren't visiting your relatives, your friends probably were visiting relatives, so there was nobody to play with. And uh, and so Saturday, for me, was the best day of the week, and Sunday was the worst day of the week. So there we go. Um, uh, I bet you're encouraged about the use of Sundays now, aren't you? <laughs> But when I came to faith, and I came, became a Christian when I was about 17, I just started as a student in Glasgow, everything changed for me. Um, uh, not quite everything, that took, took some time, but uh, initially I was in the habit, therefore uh, having become a Christian, of using Sunday in this way. Uh, morning, getting up, uh, going to f- uh, with friends to to worship, and uh, uh, we were part of a big city centre church, uh, a Presbyterian church in in Glasgow. Uh, then we'd come home, we'd have lunch with our friends. We'd uh, then in the afternoon I would catch up on the work that I needed to do for Monday. Uh, maybe I hadn't been studying as much as I should have been during the week, and so I used Sunday afternoon to uh, to catch up. And then we have dinner, uh, and then we go with friends to church again on Sunday evening. And uh, I should say to you, you know, when you go to a church that's got 800 people in it, as it was then, and uh, you have the most spectacular preaching uh, you can imagine... i never had anything like it since. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, you you're just gripped and you're drawn into into Christ. It's, you know, in the, the centre of the preaching at the time was the glory of God in Jesus Christ, and uh, you were just drawn into it. So, so having become a Christian believer, um, I love going to church. I was no longer interested in watching the TV. In fact, um, I used to prior to being a Christian I used to be a, a cycle racer I, I used to do time trials and road racing um, a lot of that happened on Sunday mornings uh, if, I, if, I weren't, if I wasn't actually racing in a race somewhere in Scotland uh, I'd be going on a Sunday club run And I'd, uh, but all of that went out the window all went out the window because I wanted to be at church I wanted to hear about Jesus Christ I wanted to sing God's praises I wanted to worship God However, the worst part of the day was still the afternoon. Remember I said that I'd I'd done some work in the afternoon. Um, I used to catch up. Uh, But after a while, when I got to know my Bible a bit better, I got curious about the Bible's teaching on the day of rest. Uh, Now, many Christians at the time would say to me, well, you know, uh, Christians are supposed to be holy every day of the week. Well, that's absolutely true, isn't it? Of course, Christians are supposed to be holy every day of the week. But as I uh, studied this, the, uh, the Bible's teaching on this topic, I realized the Bible is saying that the day is holy. Not just me being holy on that day, but the day itself is to be holy. And, uh, uh, and so from that point on, as far as it was in my power... I worked to make sure that all my work obligations were completed before Sunday, all my studying was done, and uh, so that I could spend the day actually uh, resting from my weekly work. Uh, I would, and I would try not to, as far as it was in my, within my power, not to put any work burdens on anyone else. Uh, not uh, Stop shopping, uh, stop going out for meals, anything that would re- require somebody else to serve me. As their job on the Lord's Day. And so for that, from that point onwards, Sunday became the best day of the week because I was free of all those obligations. I felt no burden at all to catch up with anything because it was all done. That's not to say that it didn't cause trouble. I remember being, when I was in industry, uh, being under some pressure from a senior manager to solve a, a project problem and come in and work on Saturday and Sunday. And I said, look, I can do it on Saturday, but I don't have to do it on Sunday. Uh, it, I can get it done on Saturday. And I did. And the Lord helped me in all of these things. Now, today, I want to just talk to you a bit more about this, this day of rest uh, and try and to kind of show you why that's so important for us as Christians. So I want to start with uh, Genesis chapter 2 and uh, uh, talk about God resting. Uh, What does it say about God resting here? And uh, So let's just summarize what's been said here. So what we've seen so far is that in chapter 1 we've seen the six six days of forming creation. Uh, We've had uh, God speaking words from his mouth and creation coming into being and uh, Uh, And God accomplishing everything that he intended simply by speaking it into being. And so creation is intentional, it is purposeful, it it comes from from God. And on the sixth day, as we saw last week, the pinnacle of that creation is mankind bearing the image of God, uh, male and female, to rule over the other creatures. Now we covered all that last week. And uh, just in case you didn't get the message last week, uh, work is a good thing. Work is good. I know we find work work a bit toilsome now under this uh, uh, this time after the fall. It can be toilsome, but fundamentally, work is a good thing. And so we see in verse one, uh, Moses writing, and he says that it's all finished. Verse 1, there's no more uh, creating to be done. All the hosts, everything is finished, everything that can be seen in the sky, that vast host, that vast army of created things that you can see when you look up into the sky, all of that has been created by God and uh, it brings glory to him and declares uh, all his goodness. Then in verse 2 we find... uh, uh, that on the 7th day he had uh, he had finished it not that he was finishing it on the 7th day but he had actually finished the day of uh, all the creating that he was to do all the work has been done all the work of creating now, that doesn't mean that God was doing nothing uh, and he ceases to do nothing because, of course, uh, unlike us, you know, well, a bit like us, we may stop our work for the week. But there's still things to be done, aren't there? There's, you know, we have to wash ourselves, we have to put our clothes on, we have to eat, we have to breathe. All of these things are things that we do uh, on the Lord's Day uh, it's activity. Uh, In the technical sense, his work isn't it? But uh, in the same way, God is not inactive in his rest. So, what does he do? Well, here's a verse Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He upholds the universe. By the word of his power. So, all of those, uh, as we said before, all of those laws of the universe that we uh, we can write down, you know, Newton's laws of motion and so on, and Newton's laws of gravity and uh, planetary dynamics of, of Johannes Kepler and so on, uh, all of these things we can write down in equations and we can describe it. But all we're doing there is we're saying this is how God rules his universe and upholds his universe by the power of his word. Uh, so that's Hebrews one three. Uh, Jesus also says in in a discussion with the Jews in John five seventeen, uh, he's talking about the Sabbath day, and uh, uh, Jesus says to the the Jews, uh, "My Father is working until now, and I am working. Uh, f- the Father is always at work with these things, but He's." Uh, so he is, uh, is involved in this moment-by-moment moment working of sustaining and upholding the universe, but he is resting from his acts of creating. So verses 1 and 2 then are um, descriptive of what's happening on that seventh day. Verse 3 now brings us to Moses' commentary. What, what does he say about Uh, What are the implications of these two verses for the people of Israel? Remember, Moses is writing to the people of Israel. He's writing to a people who've been saved from slavery in Egypt, and they're going to a promised land. And Moses wants to teach them then about the importance of uh, one day in seven. They've had their minds filled for 430 years of uh, thought patterns uh, that have developed while living amongst the Egyptians. And, and maybe imbibing the Egyptian ways of thinking. And Moses is now writing so that they will understand why it is that the seventh day is so important for them now as a redeemed people. Um, they are being brought to a new land a new uh, uh, and, and a new life. And they are to learn to trust God and to establish new patterns of life and new ways of thinking. And... Uh, and keeping in close fellowship with God, and here Moses is telling us, telling his people, and he's telling us that the Sabbath day is blessed by God. Now that's an it's an important principle. Uh, that you see of God uh, uh, the, the way that God works uh, that you find throughout the Bible that whenever God blesses something uh, it is so that it should bear f- the, the thing that's blessed should bear fruit and the fruit of setting aside a Sabbath day is good for us and it is it brings glory to God it, it enhances and points to uh, the, uh, the glory of God's grace. So there's something marvelously uh, life-enhancing and productive about the Sabbath, the day of rest. And it's for that reason that God has sanctified it, set it apart for the blessing of his people. And that's why Jesus says the Sabbath uh, is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's for our blessing. And if they keep it, if God's people keep it, the experience, what the ex- the blessing they experience is enhanced, and the glory and glory is brought to God and His grace. So this is the uh, the commentary that Moses brings in verse three. Well, let me just range a bit wider now and say, well, what, let's think about the people of God resting. What does it mean for the people of God to be resting? And it's no surprise, uh, it would be no surprise to discover that the Sabbath day is threaded all the way through the Scripture, um, right from Genesis chapter 2 all the way through uh, to the end of the Bible. Uh, So in Sinai, for example, you find that the Sabbath day comes into the the Ten Commandments, uh, Exodus chapter 20. And the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, so here's the reason, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It made, no, the day is holy here. Uh, so, that, so God gives uh, these commands uh, for rest for the whole household of God for, and, and for everybody in the, the household. For even the animals are to rest. Everybody is to rest. Uh, and the reason is that given is that God has blessed uh, himself, rested on the Sabbath day after his work of creation. Uh, that is repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5. So 40 years later, Moses writes the book of Deuteronomy and repeats the Ten Commandments um, with a slight difference. Uh, and the difference comes in the description of the Sabbath day. Uh, because there they are to remember the redemption, not just the creation, but the redemption that they have received in coming out of slavery from Egypt. Uh, and here we begin to see that the Sabbath day goes along with a redeemed people, that it becomes part of the pattern of a redeemed people as they remember the redemption they have through the grace of God. Uh, and God, what is happening is, of course, in, in redemption, is God is restoring the image uh, of God in in his people. And part of that is to have this cycle of life together where one day in seven is a day of rest to give themselves to worship and to fellowship. Uh, scripture also uses uh, the concept of rest in another way. So in Psalm 95... Um, uh, verse eleven, rest is used to refer to uh, something else. It's used to refer to when the people of Israel take possession of the promised land. Uh, you'll notice, you may have noticed that in Hebrews chapter four, he quotes several times from Psalm ninety-five. But the idea of rest there is, is a future rest. So the people of Israel uh, are going to the promised land, and there they can rest. Uh, the, the trouble with that is, of course, that uh, it never quite happened. Um, yes, there was a, a moment of rest 400 years later. David uh, is described in 2 Samuel 7 as, uh, who's the king, he is given rest from all his enemies, 2 Samuel seven one. Um, but not only is is rest to be part of the, the pattern of weekly life, but it's also an aspiration for the people in the future. Um, the weekly day of rest was to be a sign pointing forward to that aspired-to rest that is yet to come. But something went wrong with David, uh, or rather went wrong after David. What was it? Well, people didn't re- achieve what they had hoped for. So by the time we get to Jesus' time, uh, people are so desperate for a turn in their fortunes that they start zealously applying the law, and there's lots of little details that they apply about the law. So you have the law itself, and then you have a a kind of cloud of human-made laws to try and keep people away from the God's law, and uh, it becomes oppressively uh, dark as they begin to apply all sorts of little rules. Uh, just for example, in Luke chapter 6, uh, the disciples on the Sabbath day, they pluck some ears and ears of corn and they eat it. Well, of course, that is breaking the Sabbath. Why? Because uh, because when they pluck the ears, that's reaping, so that's the kind of work. Uh, they rub it in their hands to get rid of the chaff, to separate out the chaff. Well, that's, that's threshing, so that's work. That's not allowed. Uh, they blow the husks away, so you can be left with the, the grain itself. Well, that's winnowing, and that's not allowed. Then they eat the grain? Well, they prepared a meal, haven't they? That's work, and they can't do that either. You can't do any of these things. So you see, the law becomes a burden to the, the people of God. People are treated as slaves to the Sabbath regulations. And instead of being a delight to the people of God, it becomes a burden to the people of God. And in a sense, the whole legal system becomes a tyrant. Devoid of any joy or blessing, just grim faced, empty hearted compliance. Where does it go wrong? Well, of course, the simple answer is they've ceased, the people of Israel ceased to trust God. As it were, they lost the thread of God's revelation of His blessing. They lost the trail that God was laying for them about the Sabbath day, from Genesis 2 to the Ten Commandments to the Promised Land. But it's not finished there even. Because even in the New Testament, we find that there is still a Sabbath day for the people of God, which points forward to a greater future eschatological rest in Christ. That's what Hebrews 4 is talking about. Uh, as it were, the the people of Israel going to the Promised Land is only uh, figurative of this greater Journey that's to be taken to go to the rest that is at God's rest, and that's why Hebrews 4:4 4, 4 says, "And God rested on the seventh day from all His works." Quoting Genesis 2, this is the direction that the, these Christians are now going in. And Hebrews 4 verses 3, 5, and 7, quotes from Psalm 95, where he speaks of the experience of the people of Israel escaping slavery. They had a rest to come to be marked by one day and seven. But now the New Testament writer of the Hebrews says says then in verse 9, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, do you get the significance of this? Hebrews is written to Christians. Christians. It is written to Christians after Jesus Christ. But he's using all that's found in the Old Testament about the Sabbath day. And he says of these Christians, the Sabbath day rests for, uh, remains for you. Christians are to remember the Sabbath day. Now he's saying more than simply that when you become a Christian, you receive rest in your soul. There's a lot of Christians who will say that. Yes, you receive rest in your soul. And it is absolutely gloriously true. That's what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, says Jesus. Yes, you get rest in your soul when you come to Jesus Christ. But that is not what Hebrews 4 is talking about. What Hebrews 4 is talking about is the goal of the journey of the Christian life. ...through our lives as Christians... ...to enter into a future eschatological rest. And we may taste of it now... ...in in the sense of having rest in our souls... ...that we find in Jesus Christ... ...but there is still work to be done. The work of walking. The work of travelling. Of getting to that rest. It's yet to be consummated. And meanwhile... The writer to the Hebrews says, there remains a Sabbath rest for God's people. Or perhaps more accurately, it says this, there remains a Sabbath resting for God's people. Now that word Sabbath resting, it's the one word in the Greek. And where does it come from? It comes from the word that is used by the Hebrews and translating the Old Testament into Greek to describe the regular pattern of weekly rest. There remains a Sabbath resting for the people of God. And the whole point of Sabbath resting, even today, is to remember where we're going to begin to taste again of the joys of that rest in Jesus Christ and to look forward to the rest that we will ultimately enjoy completely free of our sin, that eschatological rest in Christ. So let me just summarize. Rest was granted as a blessing for man in Eden The fall, the the sin that's come into the world has meant that that rest with God has been lost and needs to be restored. And now as people have been redeemed we are to remember the Sabbath weekly uh, and to use it to look forward to the hope of eternal rest. Do you see? Are you convinced that this weekly resting and setting apart the day as holy matters today? I hope you do. It's what God lays out for us in his word. Well, finally, let me just come to uh, the whole notion of us resting. What are we to do about it? We've seen the importance of it. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It remains part of the moral law. I wonder if you've ever thought about this. Uh, It's part of the Ten Commandments. In other words, it continues in the same way that not killing is important. I hope we all agree that's that's important. We don't go around killing people. Well, the Sabbath day is just as important to keep it, or not coveting other people's stuff. It was true then, it's true now. So is the Sabbath day. But we do find that after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, there is a change Christians began to meet on the first day of the week, uh, when Jesus rose from the dead. And one way to think about it is this, that in the Old Testament, the Sabbath came at the end of creation, but in the New Testament, the Christian Sabbath marks the start of new creation, the creation that is being uh, uh, made and being revealed now through Jesus Christ that comes through his resurrection. We anticipate that greater rest at consummation when Christ returns, but meanwhile we maintain that daily rest uh, uh, one day a week. Sorry, weekly rest one day a week. Now I realize that in saying all of this, uh, some of us may be challenged, and you should be challenged, to rethink your behavior. We live in a society where spiritual rest is ignored or we simply internalize it as a feeling. But this is a society that's frantically busy and as a result doesn't know this deep eternal rest of the soul that only the gospel can bring. And it certainly has no hope for the future. So what should we do as those who do have that hope and do have hope for the future and, and do know the, the, the rest of the soul that the gospel brings well let me suggest a few things number one make it a priority to gather for worship now in, in, the, in the last year we have uh, been obliged to, to go online as it were to have online so called church uh, and to put the ministry as it were uh, onto the internet and for those of you who have been availing yourselves of that, it's, uh, it's like watching TV in your house. But I, I need to say to you, that is no substitute for gathering to worship with the people of God. Uh, we are called to keep meeting together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us uh, do not give up meeting together. Actually gathering together. It's together that we are called to worship. It is the great joy of the Christian heart to come into the assembly and praise God. That is what marked the early church. That's what gave it its power by God's grace. So let's make this meeting and Sunday afternoon meeting a priority in our lives. Secondly, how can we spend the Lord's Day in fellowship together? In fellowship together. One of the joys of Sunday is to be able to spend time with Christian friends that we don't have time for in the week. That's why in, in our house, uh, while we've been in solihull we've always been keen to have people rent our house, um, to come around for, for a meal, to spend time with us. And so as restrictions lift, and they will very soon, there are going to be, and there are going to be some very significant changes. I urge you to do the same. I urge you now to think about how you're going to use your house on the Lord's Day. Don't be lazy. Don't be self-centered. Think how you can bring blessing to other people in the church through your home. And share in fellowship with brothers and sisters. And then thirdly, what can you do on the Sabbath day? You can spend time with God. Spend time with God. One of the things I hear people complain about all the time is that they just don't have time to read the Bible. They don't have time to pray. They don't have time to think things through in relationship to God. Uh, But the Bible grants us a day to do all these things. Sunday can be a day for catching up if you've been so busy during the week. Read the Bible. Take some time to read the Bible and think about what it means. Take some time to pray, some good quality time in prayer. Bringing the, the readings that you've been thinking about to God and seeking his his blessing on his promises. Or seeking to ask God to help you to change, to, to become more Christ-like in your life. Or you can read Christian books. All the ones all the books that you should have been reading and you just never got around to. How much time have you got on Sunday? You've got plenty of time on Sunday to read to your heart's content that will help you in your understanding, will help you grow. And so week by week, you will grow in your knowledge of the things of God. Now, in all of this, your work really needs to take a back seat. You really need to get your life in in order. I actually think there's plenty of time to get physical rest during the week so you can have the spiritual rest on the Lord's Day. Now, So Susan, my wife, uh, has recently retired from teaching, but I know, for example, that in in her sphere, uh, teachers spend a large chunk of Sunday preparing for the following week, when they think they've got some free time. And sadly, many Christians operate like that. They think of Sunday not as a day of rest and spiritual refreshment and upbuilding, but a day for catching up for the week ahead. There's nothing more important for you and for me than knowing God through Jesus Christ. So God grants us this day as a blessing for living with him. And to ignore it is to turn the blessing into a curse. Have you ever thought about that? That you can, it's not, Ignoring a blessing is not neutral. It turns the blessing into a curse. Is so serious that God commands us to rest from our work. So right at the start, God built into our pattern of life a day of rest. It's to be a blessing as we observe it in worship, fellowship and communion with God. But it also anticipates that future Sabbath rest, the promised land, the new heavens, the new earth with all its fullness, where we shall be free of sin and eager to be with God and serve him. You'll not be eager then if you're not eager now. So let's keep the Sabbath day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words. Thank you for the blessing of the Lord's day. We thank you that not only is it um, declared to be a blessing, but in our experience it can be a blessing as we use it rightly. So Father, I pray you give us the conviction that we need uh, to treat your your commands with due awe and reverence and to apply them to our lives. And this one particularly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.